This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome to episode 176 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. And I'm Steve. And we hope by the end of this episode, you will be in love with this podcast. See what I did there? Ooh, oh, I they should already be in love with us, I hope. <laughs> well, they might be brand new to the show. That's true. But in case you couldn't pick up on it, we are going to be talking about You Are In Love in just a few minutes. It is a song I absolutely love, except for one line. And you're going to find out what that is really? and why. Yes. I'm intrigued. Before we get to that, however, I have a bone to pick with Taylor Swift. The Put Taylor the Swift? Spot. The Taylor Swift. Turns out, according to uh, some photos that have surfaced online, that last night on my birthday, my birthday in fact, last night, Taylor Swift was here in Las Vegas and she did not say hi to me. What? <laughs> How dare fair. she? I am personally offended. She, she, it turns out she was here uh, seeing Calvin Harris over at Hakkasan, the uh, club in MGM. Oh. Uh, there were some pictures online. I believe they showed up on selena gomez's instagram they were on a a, mm-hmm. a jet and then uh your favorites were here too steve haim they were oh. they were part of the group and they did a little well photo you know shoot adam together. you could argue that taylor swift was here for your birthday at a party and you did not attend your own birthday party exactly yeah, why didn't you go it. to the concert that would have been a great concert to go to i love calvin harris do you Steve, how would I have known? Come on. Well, well no, I'm Cal- Calvin, Harris, Calvin Harris, he's always here. He's, he's, he's a regular here. at Hakkasan. So it's oh, never special, okay. and how do we know when it will be special? When it's on Adam's birthday, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve. But on that note, though, I think that um, I, I think that everybody out there, you, you all need to give me a very special birthday present. Do you know what that might be? A vote in the podcast awards. Yes, if you missed last week's episode and you're not following us on social media, Taylor Talk is nominated for the Best Entertainment Podcast of the Year in the 10th Annual Podcast Awards. It's a really big deal for us, and we're hugely, hugely honored to be there and want to thank all of you that nominated us. And now's the time to vote. Between now and March 24th, voting is on podcastawards.com. We're in the entertainment category. Um, Just a reminder, you can vote once a day, but it turns out you have to wait exactly 24 hours between votes. It's not like it resets at midnight type deal. I thought that was really interesting. So if you vote at like 6 p.m. today, you can't vote until 6 p.m. or later tomorrow. Yes. so what I try to do is I just try to vote the same time each day so I never get messed up or confused. Or set set yourself an alarm for one Mm -hmm. minute later than when you cast your previous vote for the next day, so that'd be great. Yeah, good idea. You could do it Steve's way, too. Either way, a reminder to go along with that, they say they are doing 100% email verification every time I have voted for us. I have gotten an email. Some people are saying they haven't, so be sure to check your spam folder because if you don't click that link in your email, your vote doesn't count. And so, also be sure to spell your um, email address correctly. That too. That could also be why you haven't received an email. Exactly. And we appreciate each and every one of the votes. Like, Truthfully, it's a huge honor to even be nominated. Um, this year's nominees include a lot of actual like, genuine, legitimate celebrities like Adam Carolla, Tyler Oakley, 
um, the podcast Serial, which has taken the world by storm. There are just huge, huge names involved in the podcast awards this year, and to even be there is a huge honor. But let's look at it this way. What a cool win for our fan community if it proves that Taylor's fan community is so big that even her fans win an award over other celebrities. (laughs) That would be be cool. Wouldn't it, Steve? That would be awesome. My question is, though, if you would win... How, how we'd almost have to show this to Taylor and be like, "Hey, look at this this award that you can add to your shelf." Unless Adam <laughs> wants to keep it on his award shelf, that would there's be no way I'm donating that award to Taylor. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We got we got to win it first, though. That's that's the part we'll have to find out. Got to win it. So go hit the polls. Podcastawards.com. Thank you guys. I, enough enough rambling about that. I know you guys have heard enough. You're like, okay, is this what the podcast is about? No, it is in fact about Taylor Swift. So. In the Taylor Swift news lately, hasn't been a lot going on other than her coming to Vegas. She is going to be the godmother of Jamie King and Kyle Newman's second child. Huge honor, and Taylor is undoubtedly very excited about it. Congrats, Taylor. Godmother Taylor. What does a godmother actually do? I think it's become more of an honorary figurehead, but what it would do traditionally is if something happened to the parents, like they became deceased, that person would take over custody as the mother. Gotcha. Um, Taylor doesn't know it, but she is actually the uh, unofficial godmother of my puppy. <laughs> Taylor has no idea, but I decided that was a good idea. Yeah. Thought it'd be cool. You decided that on your own? Yeah. Interesting. Oh. I did. Taylor has no idea. <laughs> hey, hey so, Adam, I, uh, one, what's one thing there on uh, the godmother, I, I guess it's also a drink, too. I know that you're you're big into the, the Swifty drinks. A cocktail? Drinks. Yeah, there's a cocktail for it. What what what's in the Godmother cocktail? It is uh, Italian amaretto and uh, vodka. Ooh. Fascinating. We do not encourage underage drinking. If you want to try the Godmother, make sure you are of legal age in your respective country. Amen. That was my that was my <laughs> that was my disclaimer there. I made it up on the spot. Hope you guys liked it. Uh, let's jump into the main discussion, though. I'm really excited to be talking about yet another bonus track off of 1989. Sometimes I really feel like the bonus tracks are even better than some of the main tracks. Sometimes they are, and I don't know if that's just because they're they're special songs because they're not on the main um, um, album. They're definitely better sometimes. I don't know if that's it, but this one's phenomenal. The reason I don't see it being on the main album is because it's not necessarily autobiographical as Taylor's songs tend to be. So You're in Love was something Taylor wrote inspired by the relationship of her good friends Jack Antonoff and Lena Dunham. It started as a audio track that Jack Antonoff was working on and sent to Taylor, and Taylor was able to put the perfect lyrics to it to sort of capture the the essence of their relationship. And according to Taylor, it captured everything Lena shared with her about their relationship, and Jack did not know that Lena was sharing such details with Taylor, but uh, she was. Usually guys don't know that. (laughs) Yeah, note to guys, apparently women share information about us. Nothing Uh is secret. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) So let's let's talk about the song then. What do you guys like or, well, I I can't say dislike, but what do you guys like about it? I, I think overall just everything about it, the lyrics, the music... Um, actually the first time I listened to it, the music was the part that I'm like, this has a very familiar vibe and I can't, f- 
figure out what the heck it is. And I swear I went round and round for a while about this. And um, maybe I should just go and do a Google instead of listening to a bunch of songs until I figure out which one it is. But it's funny. I actually came to the same conclusion that I later Googled and I was like, oh, there's the answer. Which is? Which is Bruce Springsteen's uh, Secret Garden. That was the one that was on the Jerry Maguire soundtrack. I could have sworn somebody previously compared those two songs. Well, yeah, that sounds familiar. Well, well, I'll tell you, it's a true fact, though, because uh, for Rolling Stone, Jack Antonoff even said that it has a very secret garden Springsteen vibe. So that's mm-hmm. how he described what this song sounded like. And I'm like, OK, yeah, I totally agree. I, with I you. guess that's it. Then, since the guy that uh, wrote the actual music for it uh, says so, it must be so. <laughs> right. I just wish I would have just Googled that to begin with instead of like trying to figure I'm like, what's it sound like? I've heard this song before, at least parts <laughs> of it. You know, just at the beginning, just that very kind of dreamy sequence that it starts with. Like even right. before yeah. Taylor starts singing. And I'm like, what is this? It sounds familiar. So. And we'll put that in the show notes, right, Diane? Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> that will happen. Over at taylortuck.org slash episode 176. Mm-hmm. Um, so Taylor herself, though, she said when she heard the music, the track that Jack sent her, she described it, as, as her memory, as sounding like the actual sound of love. Like, do you guys get that same feeling out of the sound? Does the, does the music of the song sound like love? Because the it, lyrics obviously do. It does. Yeah, it definitely does. I would say it does, but in a very um, under-the-surface way. Like, it's not like a, oh, love kind of song. Like, it, it's very um, normal in a sense. So I guess in that way, she's talking about real love in terms of each day and not like that, um, like, first love, I see you, you're hot moment, which is in some ways not love and just um, infatuation. So <laughs> it's it I think it's a a love song but it's a true love song um in the sense that these two people are actually in love and it's the way love actually works in real life. Yeah, now I I like that Diane cuz that sort of crosses over not just with the sound but with the lyrics cuz to me the lyrics show the everyday aspects of love. It's some of the lyrics are very literal, some of them are very deep. Mhm. But it just shows, like, you know, just the small details that happen in day-to-day life of two people who are truly in love. And, you know, I think we should jump into those lyrics. We can start off with the first verse, just right where it starts at one look. Dark room meant just for you. Time moved too fast. You played it back. Anything out of that stand out to you guys? It's very short. Like, each little phrase is very short and very specific and she doesn't really put that much um into one line but you still get a really cool picture of what's happening which i think is really neat that she can do that in like four words well she's always been able to do i know she is the ultimate wordsmith but i mean it's like i was saying how it captures like the everyday things it's like one look there's something about just getting the right look from the right person right and Mm -hmm. she describes time moved too fast it's same exact thing like it's one of those things where you know all of a sudden you're several years into a relationship and you're like didn't we just meet yeah so that's that's just it's a really cool way to open it up do you think there's any significance to dark room is is this kind of like them 
making out. That's kind of where I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I guess since there's not a lot of words on the page, it's you could infer that. Um, I almost seem like like it kind of seems like to me they're leaving from just hanging out. Right. And I think that might be with the time moving too fast. That's the way yeah. I see it. Like they, they get together and they're spending some time together. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, I got this to do. And, you know, then they mm-hmm. have to leave each other. That's kind of what I'm seeing it as. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, it could. So, Steve, are you thinking maybe there's chronological aspect to it? Like this is a date early on where it's like they had a great time and it went by really quickly. Right. Right. Well, I think the next line is kind of where that makes sense because of saying buttons on a coat because that to me signifies somebody is you know going outside you know that's Mm -hmm. when you put your coat on so i'm glad you said that because that explained one of the confusing lines to me because i was like buttons on a coat i'm like what does that have to do with love right so i think it just you know they were spending time together and then it's like oh crap you know we got this going on. We will we'll see each other again. Puts his coat on. That kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. okay. And then that verse finishes off lighthearted joke. No proof. Not much. But you saw enough. So I think Steve, that goes along with your sort of first date, early date concept. It's like you saw enough. It's like there were a few little things in there. The lighthearted that, joke. And then that, you, you saw enough. You that, you want to continue with this person, right? You there were little it. sparks, if you will. Mm-hmm. Dare I say sparks flew? Sparks flew, yes. Sparks I, I would rather say sparks fly because that's the name of the song. But yeah, in, in the context of <laughs> how you were trying to say it, yes, you're right. <laughs> past, past tense, Steve. Past yes. tense. This was a previous situation. So. I see. Speaking in the present tense wouldn't work very well there. Mm-hmm. So next verse there. Small talk. He drives coffee at midnight. Who has coffee at midnight that wants uh, to go oh, to sleep? Oh, oh, I do that all the time. Okay. I, <laughs> no, but I guess if decaf. If any, Okay. Um, I, I usually, well, midnight's always a question mark. The only place I can usually do that is out in Vegas when I can go to Starbucks. It's open 24 hours. I don't mm-hmm. have many 24-hour Starbucks. You don't have 24-hour Starbucks? No, I know. It's How do crime. you survive? Where do uh, you live? Jeez. Yeah, but what do you need 24-hour Starbucks for If unless you're going at midnight? You really don't need it, Adam. It's not necessary. <laughs> I've been to Starbucks late at night before. Right. It's it's great. Actually, it's, it is a great late-night thing, and- I know that you probably shouldn't have caffeine late at night, but I I kind of enjoy it. And, you know, okay. it almost sometimes has that opposite effect where it actually kind of calms me down a little bit. So, hmm. uh, you know, I, I Steve, think I, I believe they call that an addiction. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so, not so what I, we're talking about today. Right. So, so I guess, if anything, then this is them. Is this a separate time that they're? going out for for coffee late at night or is this from that same first part i think it could be whichever one you think like is this a second date where it's hey you want to go grab a coffee oh sure yeah however it applies to you steve exactly but i mean these lyrics we've seen thus far including the next line there the light reflects the chain on your neck they're all just very descriptive to me it seems like it's setting up the situation cuz i definitely this is what i was talking about where i feel like these lyrics at the beginning are far more literal literal where there's some more i don't know meaningful and deep i, I don't know the right word choice there but just some different types of lyrics throughout the rest well, of the song. Well, I think the reason that they're very um, on the surface at the beginning is she's just trying to set up the scene. Right. That's yeah. that's what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. is it's sort of setting the scene for the rest of the song. But, but, so. but maybe that's the better understanding of it at that point in time. You know, a lot of times when you go on 
initial first dates and, you know, the second and third date, you're just kind of aware of your surroundings. You don't know and understand everything that other person is thinking. So Mm -hmm. the stuff that's being described early on is kind of the literal stuff that this is what they're seeing. That's what I actually kind of enjoy how the lyrics start out. And then later on, you can actually see the depth of the relationship growing. Well, Steve, beyond that, though, the song, the purpose of the song as a whole is to create the feeling of love. It's to represent how love feels. And that is where love starts are with those little things. Mm-hmm. Very true. So it's, you know, dual meaning. It's setting the setting the stage and it's also following the path of true love where it starts to where it continues. I, I don't want to say where it ends because true love doesn't end it starts and continues so Mm -hmm. um next lyrics though we got he says look up and your shoulders brush no proof one touch you felt enough and boom that that's where it is you felt enough that's where that whole setup was leading to i feel like so so you saying that she is in love at this point yeah it's like you felt enough to know Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm It's those little itty bitty things from the beginning that you felt enough to know that this is going to the next level. Mm -hmm. So in in that sense, the song is moving sort of chronologically through relationship at that point. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. What else you guys got out of those lyrics? Anything? I I don't know. I found some of those lyrics kind of a little bit confusing. Which part did you find confusing? He says, look up. Let's start with that. Well, it could be that he's like, oh, look at the stars or look at that sign or look at like. Or maybe he's really... like, stop texting while we're out to dinner and look up at me <laughs> because we're on a date. Oh. I don't think it was like that. Hey, you don't know, though. That that could. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't think the point of it is what he's trying to point out to her. It's the fact that they're um, um, it's the fact that they're. Um, shoulders brush and then it's like that little like charge moment where they're like "Ooh, we just touched on accident um (laughs) i don't i you know i don't know if that's just it diane i think your shoulders brush is is hugely important yeah but i think he says look up is referring to eye contact is is that it or is it looking up to the sky to look at the stars eye contact your shoulders brushing if they're facing each other is a little bit difficult to do so I see them standing next to each other. Yeah, but how do you know the that they're same thing and they're standing like side by side? How do you know those two things are going together? Because she says and. Does she, she? Says, look up and your. This is this brush. is copied and pasted from AZ lyrics. I'm sure. So are those? Does she say I'm, and? I'm like 99.9 yes. percent sure yeah, she yes, says it, and. Uh, actually, I have the real lyric. I know that we've had issues in the past that sometimes the lyrics we find on the internet. Don't match 100% with or the, the lyrics. lyrics that are in the lyric book. Well, the match. lyrics in the lyric book aren't always accurate well, and either. And that's Steve, what so. I had a problem with with this song, even, is the lyrics. I don't know. Maybe I just can't follow the order of it. But later on, there are parts that I'm like, they don't even say that. <laughs> and then it repeats different <laughs> words. Like, like Which I really. Of the song I, did they write? I need more of an, like, uh, one of those, like, bubble chart icon things that, like, points to, and then now I'll read this and then go up to this, if, you know. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> All right, Steve. So, uh, I mean, about that then, maybe they are meant to be together. I I don't know. Maybe maybe she is looking down, texting, and is like, look up. But, yeah, I guess based on that, the positioning of that word and, mm-hmm. 
I think that it's he's telling her to look at something specific. There's yeah. something specific to look at. So the chorus, in my opinion, is where it starts to get a bit deeper mm-hmm. in meaning. Yes. Because you can hear it in the silence. You can feel it on the way home. You can see it with the lights out. You're in love. True love. That is the chorus. And that is like the essence of it. It's She's basically, the way I interpret it, she's saying love is everywhere. Yeah. And you it, can hear it. You can feel it. You can see it. She's appealing to all the different senses there. Yeah. Not all of them, but some of them. <laughs> Most of them. The important one. Um, and I think it's really cool how she kind of puts love in this place as something that you can hear when you can't hear things. You can feel it when you can't feel things and you can see it when you can't see things. So that's just kind of a neat. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can hear it in the silence. That's not somewhere you're supposed to be hearing. Not something you're supposed to hear. Right. You can um, feel it on the way home when I assume she's leaving his house or something and she's um, alone in the car. And then you can can see see it with with the the lights out when it's dark. So it's like it's always there with you when you can't necessarily experience other things does that make sense yeah no that makes complete sense it, it's like it's you're not supposed to see in the dark type deal yeah right. and so because it is something that powerful and that important and that influential in your life you can still see it even in the dark that's why you're in love true, true love, love. <laughs> true love and then from the audience perspective using the hear feel see like it's a great way that she can appeal to our senses as an audience because yeah. it gives you sort of an emotional connection to it because you know what it's like to hear, feel and see. And I mean, I can see why those are the um, why those are the senses that she chose to because that'd be kind of weird to, you know, if you could taste love. I, I don't know. I don't know what love would taste like. Like but, chocolate uh, chip cookies or chai tea cookies. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Those love would taste <laughs> like chai tea cookies. Yeah. That would be a great lyric, but um, no, but not, no, not really. it doesn't sound deep enough for Taylor. I don't know if she would write some, no, something she like wouldn't. that. Coffee at she midnight, might bake yes. chai tea cookies. Chai tea cookies, not. <laughs> but it's just a cool appeal to the senses as well. What senses are we missing? We have like five senses, right? We got touch, sight, hearing, taste, smell. Yeah. I don't know how love would smell either, which is really interesting that Taylor left that sense out because she has such an emotional connection to the sense of smell. She associates well, smells perfumes. with memories. But exactly, she has all her perfumes down. But the reason she wanted to go into fragrances, if you remember all the way back to the original Wonderstruck, which was what, like 2011-ish? It was a long time ago. Um, when when you go back to the original Wonderstruck, when she first got into it, she explained that the reason she wanted to get into it is because the sense of smell has such a powerful connection to memories. She associates certain smells with certain memories. Yeah, but I think the problem with using the word smell in a song is usually when you hear that word smell, you think of something bad. Like, Stinky? ew, it was smelly. Yeah, so it's, it's not as pretty as, like... You know, like, feel your socks, they smell. <laughs> <laughs> Steve can write his own version. <laughs> Steve's the next YouTube celebrity. He's going to do rewrites of Taylor Swift songs. Uh, no. I feel it coming, Steve. You're a lyricist. <laughs> but, Diane, you're also forgetting who is writing this. Like, if Steve writes about smelly socks, that's not beautiful. But I bet you Taylor could have found a way to incorporate smell and make yeah, it sound lovely. Didn't. I know. 
I just I'm just simply okay. analyzing okay. speculating okay. speculating. I just think it's interesting because she feels it's a powerful sense. At least a few years ago, she did so. Mm-hmm. And with the whole touch thing, though, Adam, you can refer to that previous verse though to see the whole touch piece there. So, well, she said feel it, so that yeah. has to do with touching. Yeah, the senses no. she leaves off are smell and taste. Okay. So, although, if we move on, um, <laughs> this is what's interesting to me. Morning, his place, burnt toast, Sunday. Burnt toast appeals to both smell and taste. She included all five senses in this song. Wow. Yeah, and um, one of the things that I really like about that line is she says burnt toast. That's so average and almost kind of dull but it's still like part of their um relationship because it's possible that maybe like jack or um lena for some reason cannot make toast very well so it's just like one of their <laughs> like cute little flaws that they like about each other that they or maybe they toast. like burnt toast somebody yeah, i like yeah, bur- i like too. you know when i'm cooking like a hot dog on a fire you always get that little crispiness going on there or marshmallows or you know i always mm-hmm. like my toast a little bit darker it's so it's See, not that's, like that's that's supposedly bad for you like everything else supposedly burnt toast contains carcinogens that uh... cause cancer I mean, yeah, but I'm not getting into that. It was no. just—I I was just mocking society's belief that everything causes cancer. Well, yeah, it's not—it's—it's it, it's, <laughs> it's not like they said that the toaster caught on fire or something. That would be a great <laughs> lyric, though. Yeah. That would be a great lyric. Their toaster, but caught on fire. I, I just—I did want to point out that that was interesting because I—I even caught myself on that one just as i was saying she only appealed to three of the five senses. She just boom hit the other two senses. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because burnt toast, toast in general does have a very distinct smell. I mean, go into a subway and and you smell that I like love fresh the bread. Smell of subway. See, exactly. So it's a very very distinct smell, and it's a good smell. And burnt toast, likewise, is a very distinct smell. It's something very recognizable, and it definitely again appeals to our emotions as an audience, as we're emotions, our senses. Right. I guess senses and emotions for that matter. Mm-hmm. Right. But as we, an audience, we, we missed one of the senses though. Which one? The sense of theft. What? The sense the sense of theft. Are you talking about stealing? <laughs> I don't know if I have that one. What, what's the next line? <laughs> is that the is that the sixth sense? I, I guess. Well then. Um now I, I promised you all earlier in the episode that there is a line in this that I hate. Oh, okay. I'm scared. Why? Is it, is it you the next keep one? his shirt, he keeps his word. Totally unbalanced lyrics. What do you Why? mean? Well, because of what it implies about guys. Why is it he keeps his word? Like, why is she accusing guys of being the dishonest and liars and everything like that? Okay. Well, I understand. Yeah, no. I understand. But um, if you keep going the lyrics, she said, and... Um, and for once you let go of your fears and your ghosts. So it's possible not necessarily that this female character in this song, it's not like she thinks that guys are all bad. It's Maybe it's just that she's been hurt in the past by guys who have not kept his word. And now she's like, oh my gosh, this is a guy who is keeping his word to me. This is precious and I need to treasure this. But she so stole his think- shirt. That's what I think is important here. She did steal his shirt. How dare she? And that's not even, you know, how's that even out with, it's like, well, she stole his shirt. 
but he kept his word. You know that. No. Maybe it was given to her as a gift. Not, I not, just think I just think that line is unbalanced and unfair to guys, unless you take Diane's perspective and believe it's a personally applied situation. However, if Taylor was writing this to be inspired by Lena and Jack, she should have left herself and her past relationships out of it. In this case, she has dated some scumbags. We know that. It's been all over the news. Well, lots of people have that in their life. Yeah. Right. Well, that's but, a, right. but it's implying that the guy is always the dishonest no, person no, no, in the no, relationship no, no, no. and i think that's unfair i don't think she says he's always it's just maybe she's feared that and ghosts in the um in the sense as she's had something like that happen to her before so she's afraid of that happening again and um obviously all men are not like this because the male character in the song is not like this well, that's clearly true, but, like, it's still implying that that's something to, like, watch out for. But it's, like, I, I think a more balanced thing is, is that he would have kept a material possession of hers. Like, What do guys want of girls? Her scarf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that usually, yeah. <laughs> I made Diane laugh with that one. Um, no, I, I, I don't know exactly, but uh, the point is, is I just... For me, again, these song analyses are very interpretive. They, this is my perspective on the song, and I don't like that so, that line because, to me, in my mind, it's very accusatory. I I, I can kind of see how you think that, but I feel like that line is also important because it gives a sense of why the female character is so in love in a way because she's finally found a guy that will treat her right but why isn't she keeping her word also because this song is from her perspective and not the is it though it's not it's being told from an outsider looking in it's being told from taylor's perspective looking in on somebody else's relationship but it's like second person because she says you keep his shirt so it's like it's from the point of view of this you person because when the male character is referred to it's he I see it as more from the female perspective, even though you is not Taylor. She's like taking on the point of view of the you person. Yeah. So well, you think it's her talking to the female? It, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I see what you're saying there, Diane, because the, she doesn't talk to the guy and say, you this. She says he. So that means she's not talking to him. She's talking to her because she is the you person. Right, and I get that point of view, but I still, I, I still, there's nothing you can say that'll make me feel like those two things are balanced. No, I don't think they're balanced, and, and I'm not 100% sure <laughs> on really the whole taking the shirt thing. I don't see how that <laughs> even gets to the second line where he keeps his word. I mean, it... Because they're supposed uh, to go together, at least it seems like it. shirt and keeping word is they're very different weights. Like, unless this is this guy's most prized shirt ever. Um, but yeah, they don't, they're not equal. I guess I guess what it is is what you're saying there with keeping keeping in her case she's keeping a material possession of his and he's keeping his word. That's I, I guess. It's much more I mean that it's not keeping your word thing in a relationship is the far more powerful element than keeping someone's shirt <laughs> yeah. right. And it, so it's like it, I don't know. And I guess it says keeping and not stealing so that kind of makes that yes. better. <laughs> Well, the next line then, 
um, does play into these. And it does say, and for once you let go of your fears and your ghosts. And that's a hugely important line as well, because going off of Steve's theory from earlier about the song moving a little bit chronologically through, you know, early dating through the actual in love phase, um, you've got the point where they hit full and complete trust which is one of the absolute most crucial elements in a successful relationship and a loving relationship is a hundred percent trust. And I think that's what that line is referring to is, you know, you let go of your fears and your ghosts. So it's like, there's always those hesitations, those things you don't share with your partner at first. And then all of a sudden you let go. It's like, here's everything about me. Oh yeah. Let go of that. That makes sense. Yep. Any disagreeing opinions on those lines? No. No, no. Anything to add to those? It, it no. kind of reminds me of, uh, was that last week? What 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 week did we do um, the Swifties are listening to Ella Henderson Ghost? Was that? We didn't actually do Ghost, but we did Ella Henderson. It was like okay. two weeks ago or something. Because that song just popped in my head as you were saying those lyrics. So <laughs> <laughs> The word ghost. <laughs> well, yeah, but that song has a lot of that same sort of stuff and symbolism and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I kind of feel that. That reminds me of that song when I hear it, you know, because ghost is not something you normally put into lyrics, but it does have a special kind of meaning. Like it's not about physically being a ghost. It's, you know, what ghosts are and that, you know. It's about it's about something hidden, like the way Taylor uses it here and then also in Bad Blood. Um, You know, you live like that. You live with ghosts. Um, She's talking to to keep using Halloween puns like skeletons in your closet. That's what she's using ghosts for is sort of things that you're keeping internal and either regrets or things you don't like about yourself or things you don't usually share about yourself. Just things you keep hidden is how she's using the word ghosts. Yeah. And um, also things um, about your past that haunt you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. That's, that's an easier way to sum up what I just rambled on about. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't thank you. <laughs> but thank you anyway. <laughs> so one step, not much, but it said enough. You kiss on sidewalks, you fight, then you talk. One night he wakes. Well, hang on. We'll look at that in a yeah, sec. Yeah, we need to. Del- that, that needs its own little section. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you kiss on sidewalks, you fight, then you talk. I think this is now talking about an the new stage of the relationship it's like earlier you have that sort of dating scenery you know the whole looking at each other and the light-hearted jokes and things of that sort now this is like a deeper part of the relationship you kiss on sidewalks you public display of talk. affection yes pda Ugh, I, hate pu- I hate pdas <laughs> gross people should not kiss in public it's yucky okay. cooties it makes me feel very uncomfortable <laughs> it really does I can't stand seeing people like making out in public no, so you're not a fan of this line what's that Steve? you're not a fan of this line then well I don't necessarily know if you can see that I mean it's possibly um, literal but the idea of um, kissing on a um, sidewalk to some people is very romantic so I think it just more shows that they have romance in their relationship 
I think you're right, Diane. I think it's more of a general description yeah. of romance more than... I mean, it is also literal. It, it, it is talking about kissing, but not necessarily full-on making out surrounded by other people. But, <laughs> like, a, a kiss on the sidewalk could be, like, you know, it, it could be a situation where after a date, it's a kiss goodnight, you know, mm-hmm. outside of the lady character's home as the male character is dropping her off, or vice versa, since since we live in a progressive society. Yes. Mm-hmm. The lady could be dropping the man off for the evening and giving him a kiss goodnight. Um, I, I, I believe in that. Yes. I, that would be great yes. to be taken out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> you love that. <laughs> Is that because yeah. you wouldn't have to pay the bill? Exactly. That's the best part did, of it. How, how did that work out for your birthday? Did, did you have like people take you out and such? Of or? course, of course. Okay, it's good. extended birthday. The birthday just keeps going for the next week. Oh, it's so. birthday week. Yes. Birth week. <laughs> But that's that's not the topic of the conversation. Getting back to your point, Steve, I don't know if it's necessarily, even though it is literal, it's also not. Like, in my mind, when I when I hear that line, I see just sort of like a, a, a cute little peck more so than, like, making out. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 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 So you fight, then you talk. Again, crucial part of the relationship. Everybody in a relationship is going to fight. It happens. It's just life. It doesn't mean you are no longer in love. It means you had a disagreement. So yeah, and um, actually, talking it out is, of and, course, uh, important. One, what, Steve? one of the things that actually has been proven in different things is that people that actually have more fights and little arguments actually tend to stay together more often. Yeah. Because there's I communication and such. Yeah, because um, people who don't fight tend to hold things inside and then they kind of like become build resentful. up and they become resentful and then it ends up being more unhealthy than just saying what you think. Psychology Corner with Steve and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, the next line, super, super, super important part of this song. One of the biggest lines in the song. To this moment, this line makes me cry every time me I hear too. it. I'm gonna cry now. <laughs> oh, were you being sarcastic? Because I thought N- no, thought no, I I tear up every every time. Oh, I have some tissues if time. you guys need them. So uh, this is like very personal, but when I get married someday to whoever loves me, um, I'm going to walk down the um the um aisle to this song, and this is the part when I'm gonna come in. This part in the song. Wouldn't this be better as a first dance song? But that's a discussion for no, it's, later, it's I suppose. No, it's whatever you want. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the line then. One night, he wakes, strange look on his face, pauses, then says, you're my best friend. You knew what it was. He is in love. Boom. That's the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is the moment right there. That's that's the moment. Steve, we're talking about your progression, right? Right. You got dating. You have trust. Now you have full-blown love. So, to me, these the song is sectioned off in themes. Yeah. You know, based on that. You got, like I said, dating, trust, love. So, now they're in love, and the way she words it is so incredible because it is so simple, yet so powerful. It, like, just gets to the point. It, it is what it is. It's like, you're my best friend. That means you're in love. Like, that's the moment right there. Yeah, and I think one of the most uh, important things about this line, too, is she uses saying that you're my um, best friend as the part 
when you know that you're uh, actually um, in love because one of the stereotypical concepts of love is is always this passionate thing it's always you know always very um romantic but really what you want in life when you're in love is a partner and someone that can be there for you so you want your best friend yeah you want your best friend um you know it's interesting because i hate crediting it back to them but my parents (laughs) gross so ugh yuck anyway so this year (laughs) this year will be their 40th wedding anniversary um 43 years together they dated three years before they were married so 40th wedding anniversary in a society where 50 percent more than 50 percent now of marriages ended in divorce they get the question all the time how did you guys do it and what their response always is no matter which one you ask, completely separate, independent of each other, both of them say, it worked because I married my best friend. See, I'm going to cry now. Mm. <laughs> so it's one of those situations, God, I hate crediting them for being right. Because all, all the time growing up, you always want to be like, my parents are crazy. They don't know anything. And then all of a sudden you hit this point in adulthood where you're like, dang it, they were right. <laughs> Here, we'll, we'll give credit to somebody else. How about we give credit to Queen? For their song, You're My Best Friend. Because that's what I thought about when I saw that line, was that particular song. Which, it's a great song in itself there, pretty much telling about, you know, a relationship that two people have, so. I like your reference, Steve, because it really creeps me out every time I hear this song and think about my parents. (laughs) I thought you said you like this line, and it makes you cry. I do. (laughs) I I love this line. I really do. And I just think the sound of it, the way the music just sort of fades off and it focuses in on her voice and what she's saying mm-hmm. and the tone and the way she says it. It's just like such a bang, like mm-hmm. such a punch. Like it's, it's just like mm-hmm. arguably the best line in the song. And it's I say perfect. arguably, cause there's some other great lines coming up, but it, I haven't quite decided what the best line in the song is because it is so well written, but that's, that's that. And then, then of course the chorus repeats, and it goes into the bridge. And the bridge, this is why I said that last line is arguably the best line in the song. Because the bridge is really good too. this section of the song is so phenomenal. Like, it is so good. So it says, so it goes, you two are dancing in a snow globe round and round. Like, let's start with that for a minute. What visual does it put in your head? Because this is important for my point I want to get to. It makes me think that these two people's feel like the entire world is just them like it's just them together in yes. their own little space Ooh. yes nice steve I, i'll go with that I, I was trying to figure out where i was with that either that or you know with a snow globe and all the snow come comes around people and that and they're still getting through all that but i like what you guys said better so i'm going with that <laughs> well slightly different from what Diane said, but very, very similar at the same time. For me, I get the visual in my head. I literally see two people dancing round and round in a physical snow globe with the flakes of snow and the big glass orb around them. And the reason I'm getting to this, why it was similar to Diane's but also slightly different, is because to me I see that as meaning that the outside world no longer matters. No. It's not just that they're in their own world. It is that the outside world exists, but it's outside of their bubble. It's outside of their snow globe, outside their Ooh. glass orb. And it just doesn't matter because they are together. It's beautiful. 
Regardless what the weather is outside of the snow globe, inside it is always snowing. (laughs) (laughs) That is sometimes a good thing and sometimes not. (laughs) (laughs) So that line, again, I'm still trying to decide my favorite line because this is right up there with you're my best friend. And I just I love them both. Love them both. Next line is he keeps the uh, picture of you in his office downtown. That I don't know if I, I put that on the same level as the other lines. It's so normal, though. That's why I, I like it. It is normal. But then on a deeper level, it's also saying even when they're apart, they're still together. Which is part of, you know, if the song's goal is to capture the essence of love, that is a huge component of that, being together even when you're physically apart. Yeah, but what about having a picture in a wallet or something, or people not do that anymore? I mean, people put them as, like, the background. Steve, ever since since picture phones came out, I don't think people keep photos in wallets. (sighs) Just just throwing that one out. Yeah, okay, so I, I guess that would be the modern equivalent, be like... He set you as the background on his phone. IPhone. She's his <laughs> wallpaper. <laughs> on, on the computer screen, yeah. So now this, this next line again, right up there again. You understand now why they lost their mind and fought the wars. Now, uh, aside from the actual lost their minds and fought the wars, which is a brilliant concept, it's, you know, it, it's all the roadblocks that you have to conquer and overcome to have a successful relationship. Why does she change the point of view there? You, now you understand why they, you mean, like, you mean who is they? they? Is, talking about the next kind line. Of- who, who is they, I guess? Because now she's, she, like, earlier in the song we were talking about, you know, with the with the thing with about the shirt, he you it's you keep his shirt. It's like she is talking to the female character, right? Yeah. And describing the relationship to the female character. And, you know, the chorus is describing love as a concept. Now, in this particular line, though, the point of view changes. You understand now why they lost their mind, even from two lines before, where it's you two are dancing in a snow globe round and round. The yeah, line we were just talking about, she's talking to them. Uh-huh. Now, who is she talking to, and why does the point I of view change? One of the coolest things about this line and how it, it, it kind of changes the, um, the sense of the song is that she's no longer talking about just them, she's talking about all the people um, in the world and in time who have ever felt love. That's what I was getting to. So it yep. gets to like this really big picture of why there were, you know, why all these people in um, history l- lost their minds and fought wars for love. So the they is, is not the male-female character. No, Correct. It's, it's like everybody. Ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I saw too, Diane. Yeah. That's brilliant. Isn't that? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it like it like gets so big and she like I don't, know, I don't know, she just gets very big picture all of a sudden. It's really cool. That is really cool. And then the second half of that line of course is the losing their minds and fighting the wars. They mm-hmm. lost their minds and fought the wars. And that is very representative of what you have to go through to have a successful relationship. You have to go through different battles, you know, no matter what the battle is. It could be anything from choosing the color of the wall paint to <laughs> seriously, yeah. no, that's seriously, true, that's true. choosing the color of how, what you're going to paint your house to, you know, financial difficulties to financial successes. It. You know, it's it could be anything. 
that you have to conquer. So right. or losing that's your mind, that, that's so like powerful. trying to understand, especially early in a relationship, is it like, do they love me? How is this going to go? And you know, all that kind of stuff. It just your mind just is going nonstop, going crazy. So, right. So it, yeah, this could arguably be the best line in the song. Especially now that you have that full meaning of it now. that Well, Steve, the last several lines, the best friend, the snow globe, this. And then the next line, the last line of the bridge, it's finally another perspective change again. Now it's Taylor talking mm-hmm. and why I've spent my whole life trying to put it into words. The well, it, of course, being love. Yeah, but I don't think th- I don't think the perspective changes at all in this song. I think the entire time Taylor is talking to the female character. Sorry, not perspective necessarily, but point of view uh, and no, I don't know audience. Point of view, I would say audience. Like nope. what she's mm-hmm. trying to um, zero in on, what the um, f- what the um, focus is, because at the beginning of the song, she's talking about this guy and this girl and whatnot, and then um, at the um, end of the bridge, she talks about the whole world, and then in the last line of the bridge, she's just talking about herself. So the subject kind of changes in a way. Right. The focus changes. Okay. The focus changes. I I mean, I use the word perspective focus. I I mean, I don't know. To me, that's interchangeable, and that's not really the point of what we're talking about necessarily, but it's Taylor's moment of realization as the author. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These two lines. She finally figured out why, and now she finally figured out why she's been trying to put it into words and she finally did it with this song Yay. she's been writing about love for so long but they her songs have always been very relationship centric never love in the broad sense never capturing the emotion of love necessarily necessarily i could be argued you could argue me on, she on, talks on certain about songs but. different types of love in different places where yeah. love happens in a um relationship but she's never written a song about what a true love looks like i mean she kind of tried to do that with um Mary's love song. story well that too sorry that one but um with those songs it was very i don't know she like seemed to only write the good stuff and it was very like um happily um ever after very rosy and this i feel like is very realistic and but still, well, this really song, and particularly these two lines, are when it clicked for Taylor, in my opinion. It's yeah. it's observing Jack and Lena and hearing what Lena had to say about their relationship is what inspired Taylor to write this song. And I, I want to make that pretty clear. In my opinion, this is not a direct description of Jack and Lena's relationship, but rather Taylor's interpretation of love as inspired by Jack and Lena's relationship. That's yeah. how I see this song. And again, why it's universally applicable to anybody that is in love Mm -hmm. because it's about love. And to me, those two lines are very much about Taylor finally it finally clicking in her head what true love looks like. And it's not just things like Mary's song about growing old together or love story with a Romeo and Juliet. Like we're going to love each other, even if our families hate it. Well, I think those are like parts of love, but not necessarily. I don't know. But this encompasses all of it. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I man, this this song is so deep. And I, I really I'm really excited. We got to talk about this. I think this is one of the best discussions we've ever had on the podcast. Now, does anybody <laughs> have any last thoughts? Uh, a, a couple. 
Okay, go ahead, Steve. Uh, That's why I asked. I didn't want to move on without letting you get out what you need to get out. Well, uh, I think one of them is kind of what this song was designed for in a way. I think that's probably worth covering. Um, What do you you mean by that? Well, like Lena Dunham even said about this song was, you know, if she and Jack would ever get married, this would be the song that they would play at their wedding. Yes. So, you know, I think that's an important piece of kind of understanding this song is is seeing it in that perspective. Now, what's the significance of that then, Steve, in your opinion? Well, I, I think almost to the, the point of is that kind of how this song was designed? I don't know. I don't think so, because correct me if I'm wrong. Did she or did she not say that after the song was already written? Lena said that when she heard it. Which is after it was written. Yeah, so I don't think so, Taylor intended it to be like, I want this to be a wedding song. Right. Okay. Because that's kind of partially what I, what I was getting out of it, was that it seemed like it was some sort of, you know, like almost wedding song of sorts. Well, Steve, again, open for interpretation. Right. Um, Taylor's song is what you make of it. This is true. You know, that's why I was saying it. it's universally applicable to anybody and their true love situations, whether they are in one now currently or will be in the future or had one in the past. Cool. And that leads me into, like, I I made a nice little list of songs that we'll include in the episode. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's where I was going. Besides, uh, but you mentioned Bruce Springsteen, right? Yeah. uh, Actually, that is one of the songs I put in there. Um, You know, Colby Calais, uh, Lucky, that was another one. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So, Steve, this is basically a list of songs that go hand-in-hand with You Are In Love, basically similar topics. Right, except for the fact that it's a Spotify list, so therefore You Are In Love cannot be included in because Taylor's (laughs) music's not on Spotify. But there's a lot of other good songs in there. Uh, For instance, another one that it kind of reminds me of the song that recently came out was Sarah Bareilles' I Choose You. Well, Steve, don't don't spoil them all. Let's link to it. Steve's Spotify playlist at taylortalk.org slash episode 176. That'll be in the show notes. Got a little taste of it. So if You're in Love is one of your favorite songs, like it is mine and Diane's yes. and Steve's, mm-hmm. then you'll probably want to check out Steve's playlist. I'm actually Similar very cool curious. songs. Lots of lovey songs. Maybe Lena will have a different wedding song after she hears Steve's playlist. No, she probably won't. Right. I wouldn't. Well, if a, well you know that well, her husband helped that. write this. So, but but you know, a me, lot of Swifties always talk about if they ever get married, they're going to have a Taylor song played at their wedding. Yes. Oh, you know, yeah, and definitely. I think this is kind of one that has moved way up high on that list now. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You know, the, the, yeah. with songs like, you know, Mary's song, what we mentioned earlier, or Love Story. Or but Mine. I, I, I like Mine a lot. Mine's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a good question. I think that this, I know, Diane, you wanted to walk down the aisle to it. I think this is a good first dance song. Yeah. You are in love, I mean. I, I think so. I think you could make it be like that if you want. I think, it, I, I think it's dance a, more of a first dance, dance song than it would be walking down the aisle. Yes. I, Don't I, ruin my dream. I, no, no, no. no <laughs> walking just down the aisle has your to dream. be. Making walking it better. down the aisle has to be more upbeat. Right. The first dance is supposed to be a slow dance. Upbeat? Like what, mine? Like yeah, yeah sure. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Look, we're all planning my wedding on Taylor Talk. So, Steve, what else you got? Anything? <laughs> uh, or that, shall we rank it? That, that, that was. Let's go ahead and rank it. I think at least I'm good. I, if you guys are good. 
I'm good. Steve, like I said, I feel this was one of the strongest discussions we've ever had on this show because Taylor gave us so much with this song. So it, I love it. It's I love it's, it. I love it's it. going to make this so easy Steve, then. Steve, with with uh, one being the absolute lowest and thirteen being phenomenal, out of the out of the park home run. How would you rank this song on a scale of one to thirteen? It would be a thirteen. Lyrics, the music itself, everything. Shout about out to this Jack song. Antonoff. Yes, Jack Antonoff. I, I really wish that Taylor and Jack would write an entire album together because I think it would be oh, stellar. That'd be awesome. Maybe for the next one. Like a like a full collaboration, the two of them. Not not that their individual stuff is not awesome, but together, I, I think that they are two of the most powerful music makers in the world. They're just so incredibly creative, and they work very very well together. Right. To, for for him to say, hey, here here's a start of a melody, and for her to put lyrics to it and make everything just flow together, that's it's just, awesome. That that just doesn't happen any other way. So cool. So, Diane, 1 to 13, where would you put it? 13. Adam gives it a 13. Yay! Yay. All 13s across the board. Perfect 13s across the board. So, definitely, definitely one of Taylor's more powerful songs. Really love chatting about it with you guys. Let's bring back a segment we haven't done in several weeks. If you're new here, this segment is called If This Was a Movie. We got the title, of course, from Taylor's song called If This Was Movie. And what we do with this is we pick movies and decide which Taylor Swift song would be the soundtrack to that movie. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Any volunteers? I'll do it. Steve, your movie choice is Indiana Jones. If Taylor wrote a theme song for Indiana Jones, which song would it be? And why? Dun, 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 mm. That's not Taylor Swift. How about uh, Out of the Woods? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Okay. Well, that's... Uh, from a literal perspective, yeah, anyway, Out of the Woods, because right. Indiana Jones is he's in the in the woods or more jungle, but uh, yeah, but the... same type of thing. W- what's your reasoning, though? Uh, you know, it's it's just the whole getting someplace you know that that i think is pretty much what any of the indiana jones things is i mean it's all very action and location based and everything else like that and i think this song is kind of very descriptive of such a thing like that there are probably other ones that are pretty good but I, i think that's probably no that's a great choice not to mention the tone of the song is very frantic and that's the feeling you get like when indiana jones is being Followed by a giant right. boulder ready to crush him. It's uh, a very frantic feeling. I guess and the other one that would work rather well is I Know Places. I think that would also be up there, too, because they're always oh. trying to escape, you know, all the craziness and all that kind of stuff. And again, another frantic song. Yes. All right, Diane, you ready? Sure. Your movie choice is Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, boy. Wildest um, Dreams. I did not see this movie, but I did read the first book. So that's what I'm basing my analysis on, or song song suggestion. Um, this is a very emotional book, very emotional roller coaster. So I would say Wildest Dreams for some parts, but although obviously not the entire book. <laughs> um, but mostly you're not sorry, because I don't like Christian Grey. Oh! I don't like him. Mm. I can't offer as much commentary on this one as I did on Steve's Indiana Jones. Basically, some people will hate me for this, but basically, um, you're in love does not apply to the story in the slightest. 
It's like the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who wants to throw a movie at me? See if I can come up with a theme song. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. Um, 101 Dalmatians. Are you kidding? No. How am I supposed to come? How am I supposed to pick Taylor? So, oh, man. Uh, something I'm trying happy to think with of, lots of dogs or maybe something bad about Cruella de Vil. Well, okay. So, first off, this is my puppy's favorite movie. He loves watching it. Um, hmm. Now, Cruella de Vil is, dare I say, mean. Okay. So, that song might work. Just mean. Well, for Cruella. Yeah. Uh, this is really, really hard song. Um, that was the first that came to mind because I'm like, Cruella DeVille, she's really mean. And I'm like, oh, mean. <laughs> Taylor has a song called Mean. Uh, shoot. What else could apply? Do you guys have any ideas? Treacherous? I feel like I'm passing off my movie. What? Treacherous? Kind of, yeah. Maybe never grow up because you should always watch that movie no matter how old you are. Oh, the puppies. Yeah. But, but I'm thinking treacherous because doesn't she chase them down like they're trying to escape and she's trying to get them and all that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she's it's... trying to catch the, the puppies! Ah! She wants... Oh, how about I Knew You Were Trouble? Because <laughs> I think that's great because, um, gosh, what are what are Pongo and Purdy's human parent names? Anita? Um, One of them's Anita. Anita. And Anita's husband, we'll call him. Anita's husband knows that Cruella is evil from the beginning, even though Anita works for Cruella, and it's her boss and stuff. Is that the way it is in the cartoon, too? Or just the people version? I don't remember the cartoon. I don't remember the cartoon? I've only watched the people version. I don't remember the Wait, there's a people version? Yeah. Steve, where have you been? It's, With it's real the, puppies. Yeah, real puppies and real people. It's the guy is the guy from Dumb and Dumber that's not Jim Carrey. What's his name? I don't know. And then Jeff the uh, and Yes. Then, and then um Cruella de Vil is uh, Glenn Close. Oh. Who does a phenomenal job. Is this a good? Scary. Okay. She's very scary. It's a good movie, Steve. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Okay. I've I've seen the Disney cartoon version. That's the only one I know. Yeah, but that one's really really old. Yeah, but it's classic. All right, all right, right. So, I guess those are a couple ones. Hope you guys like that segment. It's kind of fun trying to come up with Taylor songs to fit a movie. Before we go, however, Diane, can you please fill us in on what Taylor has coming up on her calendar? I will. So, on March 15th, um are the 2015 Juno Awards in Canada, and Taylor Swift's 1989 is nominated for International Album of the Year. And then on March 29th is the iHeartRadio Music Awards, where Taylor's nominated for Artist of the Year, Song of the Year for Shake It Off, Best Fan Army for the Swifties, and Lyrics of the Year for Blank Space. And the show will be broadcast on NBC at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Diane. Which is on March 29th. Sorry, I said that weird. Did you say that? I I did, but I said that it would be on at a certain time, and I didn't say when. So 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC March 29th. Awesome. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, before we go, so I have to fulfill a promise to many of you that emailed in and said that you voted. So shout outs are in order. I want to give a very special thank you to Hannah, Jack, Ellie, Shayna, Callie, Janine, Evan, Elena, Sophie, Adam, not me, but a different Adam. Evelyn, Zandy, Emily, Ashlyn, Susan, Liz, Pearl, Tal, Lauren, Lena, Alex, Julia, then from Twitter, watched it fade, Leroy30, anybody I forgot, I'm so, so sorry, please just yell at me, 
thank you guys to all of you that voted. We really, really appreciate it. And keep uh, voting. Again, just one last reminder. If you could visit the um, podcastawards.com and vote for Taylor Talk as the best entertainment podcast. Voting is daily or every 24 hours, rather, at podcastawards.com. We would really appreciate it. Um, I also encourage you to look through maybe some of the other categories, see if there's any other podcasts you listen to that you can vote for. I know a lot of you out there listen to Psycho Babble, which is Tyler Oakley's podcast. He is nominated for an award that is fortunately not in our category. I think it's or the LGBT category, right? Yes, okay. that is correct. Um, his podcast is nominated. I know a lot of you listen to that. So definitely look through the categories. If you don't feel like looking through them for other podcasts you listen to, then just vote for us in the entertainment category. Love you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, that link is podcastawards.com. Remember, guys, if you want to reach out to us, visit taylortalk.org slash contact. Lists out all our different contact methods there. Uh, it seems like people's contact method of choice tends to be email, which is podcast at taylortalk.org. And also Twitter, at taylortalk13 on Twitter. All the other ones are listed out at taylortalk.org slash contact. So I've had a great episode, guys. Thank you both for joining me, Diane and Steve. It's been awesome chatting with you guys. But for episode 176 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast, it is time to say goodbye. So for this week, this has been Adam, Diane, and Steve saying have a good one, guys. Love you all. Please vote for the podcast awards. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.